You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, your home for news, views, security stories, technology, and all sorts of other related chit-chat that catches our attention. Hello listeners, welcome to this week's episode. Sorry there wasn't one last week, but uh, no one was available and there wasn't a great deal of news, to be honest. So I didn't think you'd want to listen to me rambling on for 20-30 minutes about what little news there was, so I thought we'd just pass. And so uh, here we are on uh, Easter Sunday, for those of you who celebrate Easter, happy Easter. And for the rest of you, well, happy Sunday. Um, very British weather here today, um, a lovely sunny spring afternoon, which is surprising because all the weather reports uh, suggested we would have traditional British bank holiday weather, which usually means cold, wet and windy. Um, and it's none of those things by, you know, complete surprise. So there we are. Uh, and I'm joined by Nick. How are you, uh, Nick? I'm uh, I'm good, thanks, Simon. Yeah, uh, we've rolled all the uh, rambling through to this week's show, then, have we? We have indeed, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I understand the weather's pretty good where you are too. It is. It is. It's uh, yeah, it's good. It's uh, I've I've been out and it's um, cool but sunny. It's nice. You know, an yeah. early spring day. I have to say, I find spring the pleasantest um, of you know of the seasons here in England these days. Um, when I was younger, I used to like the summer, but, you know, as I've got older, I find the spring more comfortable. Um, There we go. And Jim is here. Jim is here. Hello, Jim. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Yourself? Uh, yes, I'm pretty good. How's the um, how's the weather where you are? Uh, well, it was nice this morning when I, get, uh, when I got up, but it's now grey and cool. Oh. At least it's dry. Well, that's something. We have got four snow forecast uh, for Scotland, so... Mm. Mm, nice. Yes, I, I did see there was um I did see there was a weather warning for heavy snow, possibly tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. It was lovely yesterday. It was very, very mild. Um but today it's been a bit of change. Well, there we go. That's British weather for you, you know. Well it's particularly spring weather, isn't it? I mean Oh yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you can't you know. rely on it. There's you a saying rely... in the in the U there's a saying, isn't there? Nair cast a clout till May's out. That is true. Which means <laughs> don't take clothes off until it's until May's finished. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, just is that, just is, leave the summit on. Is that um, that Ravi Burns? I don't oh, know. I don't know. I've no idea where it, the, the the saying comes from. It's cut, Do you cast, know, Jim? Nah, not at all. No. <laughs> no. It's cast, no yeah. idea. I'm afraid I'm not a Ravi Burns fan. <laughs> cast near a clout till May be out is how, how it goes. Um. Yeah, I remember that oh, one. Oh, no, you should keep your summit on that, so... Yeah, it's... Uh, I believe, it's strictly speaking, it translates as um, do not throw off your warm winter undergarments until May is over, but there you go. Ah. <laughs> Which is a bit bonkers, considering last week we had one day that was, what was it, 21 degrees? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, this is it. This it was is like it. summer for a day. Where was that? Uh wasn't he up here? No, probably not. Uh, Jim. Well, I've, you you've got your own microclimate up there, Jim. Especially yeah, with just a for couple you. Of, with a couple of mild days, but uh, nothing like that. No, there was one day. I can't remember what day it was. Uh, where yeah. I was going somewhere. Oh, uh, yes, I was. Uh, when Wednesday, I think maybe. Oh yeah, I think. Uh, Tuesday, yes, it was Tuesday or Wednesday last week. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. And it was very very warm indeed. Yes, it was. Um. It was, it was like a summer's day. There you go. As my geography teacher once told me, other countries have climate, Britain has weather. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there we go. So uh, we'll move on. And I've had some fun this week. I've had some fun and I'm going to play a clip in a minute. But um, yesterday um, I noticed that my Siri voice had gone very weird indeed. And I used the... Uh, I use the British male Siri voice, which is uh, fairly normal, uh, you know, fairly clean, crisp uh, British accent. And uh, 
I don't use Siri very much. So I, I, anyway, I asked Siri, I said, uh, you know, hey, S person, um, phone, you know, phone my wife. And I got this response, which was something like Donald Duck saying, calling your wife. So um, <laughs> I was most baffled. And uh, I went into the Siri settings and changed the, pressed the, you know, British mail and the correct voice comes out saying, hi, I'm Siri, choose the voice you want me to use. And uh, so then I tried again and I got Donald Duck again. So then I tried changing to South African um, and that worked normally. So then I changed back to British mail and he still was speaking like Donald Duck. And uh, I was experimenting for, uh, you know, on and off throughout the day. And all I got was Donald Duck on British mail. Um, so I made a recording to send to the guys, which I'll play in a second. And then, um, I changed back to South African, asked the South African man to tell me what the weather was and that was fine. And then I changed back to the British mail and asked him to tell me the weather and magically it fixed itself. So there you go. I don't know what that was all about. I thought it might be a beta thing, but, uh, I've asked and nobody else, uh, Jim, you're on the beta, aren't you? And you didn't appear to have a problem. No, I don't, I don't do the betas. Oh, you don't do the betas? Oh, no, it no, was Donnie. No. Sorry, it was Donnie. I wondered if it was a British male thing as all the others were fine or if something had happened to it. But anyway, here we go. So just to prove to you that my Siri went completely weird, uh, here you can hear the effect. Hi, I'm Siri. Choose the voice you'd like me to use. Hey, Siri, what's the weather report? I'm Siri. Choose the voice you'd like me to use. Hi, I'm Siri. Choose the voice you'd like me to use. Hi, I'm Siri. Choose the voice you'd like me to use. Hey, Siri. Hey, Siri. Tell me the time. It's fourteen sixteen. So there you go. I have no idea what that was about at all. But um, changing to South African and then, um, you know, back to British seems to have fixed it. Although I've done that about three times over the last couple of days trying to make it work. So there you go. I've no idea what that was all about. But it Obviously was amusing. Your phone being, infe- being infested by Disney. That's what mm. it is. <laughs> Yeah, there's some, something going on there. I must admit, when I when I showed it, you know, played it to my wife, she fell about laughing because it was somewhat hilarious. So there we are. Um, well, uh, what else have we got? Let's get on to some actual stories. Uh, enough mucking about with my stupid Siri voices. Um, Apple was founded 45 years ago on the 1st of April, 1976, you know. Um, wow. Yes, there we go. Uh Steve and the other Steve and uh, is it Ron Ron Wayne? I believe is the third investor, the guy who bailed out after two weeks. Yes, yeah. Um, and took eight hundred dollars or something, and took his money and left. And as always, said he never regretted it because you know it's easy to look back, isn't it, and say, "Oh, one idiot," you know, one idiot. But um, most startups don't make it, and um, you know, <laughs> it was two guys yes. in a garage, so. Yeah, seventy six. So I was sixteen in seventy six, just just coming up to O levels. I was um I was thirteen that year. But um, yep. So, uh, also, of course, the year of the great British uh, summer and drought. Oh, seventy six was yeah, that's yeah. right. And talking about snow yeah, it's at a strange long summer. Talking mm-hmm. about strange uh, snow at strange times here, here where I live in Suffolk. Um, 1976, June was unusual in that we had snow in the first week and a half of June. Oh, right. And then, and and not just a, you know, not a dusting, an actual proper snowfall. And then it changed to the blazing heat that carried on for the whole of the long summer of 76. And I always Mm. remember that, particularly because... um, at school fate, there was a you know fancy dress competition as they tend to be, and uh, the lad who won it turned up with a sign round his neck which said summer nineteen or you know June nineteen seventy six, and he'd done that half and half dressing. So on one side he had an anorak and jeans and boots and mittens and a scarf. Oh right, yeah. And the other side he was wearing <laughs> flip flops and shorts and a t shirt and sunglasses. It was it was very very good actually, well deserved win I thought. There we go. But uh, that stuck in my memory forever. I will never forget that because not because of it snowing, um, but because of that, you know, that voice. 
fancy dress has etched it into my mind. But yes, it, we definitely had snow. There we go. Oh, not a lot to say about that, really. I mean, uh, it's just uh, Mark. I, no I noted Tim Cook marked it with a with a tweet um, saying, you know, remembering Steve saying we've come so far and yet we have so far to go. Um, more new betas. More new betas have come out. Uh, 14.5 beta 6. Um, followed fairly hot on the heels of 14.5, which, you know, tends to happen as they get towards the end of the beta period. Um, and yet, surprisingly, um, in this beta, they've sprung some new Siri voices um, and some a battery recalibration tool if you feel that your battery reporting is incorrect, which uh, apparently will attempt to recalibrate the uh, battery health on your device, should it uh, apparently be wonky, um, and some other bits and pieces. And there's a link to a 9 to 5 Mac video. Um, quite surprised by that yeah. myself. Um, yes. Yeah, they don't normally i mean it's normally just bug fixes and things after a while isn't it well yeah once they get a fair way into it they don't tend to spring new things at the last minute on the betas they sometimes take things could, out it, yeah it could be that these were always intended to be in there and it's just they took a little bit longer to implement than they expected so yep who knows who knows but um apparently there are some new voices i think they're uh Two new voices for America, so um, another male and female Siri, and um, some other uh, regions have had uh, improvements made to their their neural yeah. engine and their uh, real, you know, um, their voices to make them yeah, more added, natural. Added the chipmunks as well. Oh, Apparently, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Donald Duck sneaked in. Voice. <laughs> I'm saying that I would like a Glaswegian voice, please. Thank you. Yes, why not? Why not? Yes, why not? Um, I think, uh, as I recall, at the moment, under if you're use English, there's American. I don't know how many variations there are on American, British, Australian, Irish, South African. Might be another one. Um, off the top of my head. Uh there we are. Um. And the other big news, of course, WWDC 2021 announced as an online-only event again. Not a huge surprise, I don't think. Uh, I don't think anybody's no. really shocked by that. Um, no. I, think, I think only is going to be the way forward for quite some time. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. I mean, on the plus side, of course, the thing is it's it's free to all developers, um, which makes it much more inclusive because before, you know, you had to enter a lottery to even get a chance to get a ticket. The tickets were not cheap. Um, the costs of going to, you know, um, Cupertino or San Jose or wherever are not inconsiderable if you don't live in the continental United States. Um, yeah. So, you know, now everybody can go regardless. Um, it was like uh, it was like Maxstock last year. I mean, it was, I would never have been got to go if... They hadn't have done it online because buying a ticket at that time of the year over to Chicago is exorbitantly expensive mm. just for two or three days. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's good that it's online, but uh, I mean, hopefully, hopefully they'll do some of these online things beyond you know, even when people start getting back together again. Do you think it's possible they might never go back to actual physical conferences? I I think they will have physical conferences. There are certain things really like that you can only really probably get across in person. Um, but I suspect if they do, they might be hybrid so that um, because being, yeah. you know, being able to have any developer anywhere in the world able to attend, mm. has got to be a good thing. Um, yeah, I think I'd say never say never because um, at one time we would never have said that the, sh the computer shows would go away. But they did. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you but never I'd, know. They may, they may decide that, that that the coverage they get and the number of people that they can engage is almost as good if they do it online. So we'll see. I suspect they would like to have in-person events when they release new hardware, particularly, mm, yeah. you know, if it's a new class of hardware, they want people to be able to get hands-on. The press, particularly, not so much developers, maybe, but press to be able to... <laughs> I mean, you know, last year, a lot of a lot of the developers said that you, you couldn't really get the one-to-one -one 
stuff if you were if you weren't if you weren't actually there but i i got i heard no feedback after wwdc um 2020 to say well i think they've and well, also actually, it wasn't bad no and this this time they've also said they're adding more you know more workshops more ways to interact with apple um engineers and whatnot so i think they've obviously learned a lot i think it's going to be um I suspect developers will find it probably improved from last year, although I didn't hear anybody really complain. I mean, let's face it, Wayhan said, you know, he was actually able to attend, as it were, whereas he'd never have been able to attend in person. Yeah. So, yeah. If you think about it, though, Apple's big on the environmental side of things. Um, not having a physical uh, keynote, um, you know, WWDC kind of thing, uh, product launches, means that no one's travelling from the other side of the world to, to attend yeah. these. That's true, um, it's a greener thing to do, definitely. Yeah, so it's very much a green way of doing things. You could you could actually do launches uh, locally. You, know, you, you do a keynote, you have all the products at local uh, Apple stores, and the, the, you know, the reporters and people can go to them, so it's a lot less distance to travel. Well, that, that, is, that is possible, although mm. they've got an awfully lovely, you know, Conference, yeah, big, big theatre, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Steve Jobs theatre. There's a bit of a. There we go. Um, of course, uh, if anybody hasn't seen it, uh, the invitation for this year says "Glow and Behold," um, and features some memojis um of people looking lovingly like Craig Craig Frederigi into their mm -hmm. uh, MacBook Airs. With the date uh, on the calendar reflected in their uh, spectacle lenses, and uh, that's you a fantastic calendar as well. And I think you can also see uh, the Xcode icon reflected in the lenses. Um, I've heard some fairly wild speculation about that because they're all wearing glasses, and uh, you know it's called Glow and Behold, and um, wild VR. speculations that the VR slash AR mm. glasses might be. I mean, I think it's possible if if they are really a thing. It, it might be possible that they get talked about because one thing, you know, you are going to have to do for something like that is people are going to need to start developing um, products, you know, apps or services or whatever. So I guess it's possible they might talk about them, but um, I don't know. What do you think? Mm, I'm not that keen on VR stuff, so I'm not really sure. No. Uh, I'm not a fan of it. Okay. Fine. No. Um, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they will. I. I mean, I think we'd all like that, but I'm. I'm just not sure that Apple are particularly interested in it. I mean, they've always said they've got an interest in AR, haven't they? And mm. um, um, a lot of a lot of what they've done has been to um, improve that kind of thing. Um, I was quite interested. Um, this is as, a, as an aside, really. Um, uh, I decided to order some long distance glasses, but not from my local optician. I thought I'd go to Glasses Direct and try them. Um, and there are one or two apps you can download that are supposed to measure your uh, the distance between your pupils. I mm -hmm. forget what it's called. It has a name. Um, and you can. Uh, I don't. I don't know whether the apps are very accurate. Um, and in fact, what what they got me to do, which was quite interesting, was take a picture of myself holding a credit card to my head. Well, I right. mean, it didn't have to be a credit card, something credit card sized. Yes, sir. Uh, just above my eyebrows, and presumably that that they can measure from that to see what this distance is on me. Um, mm. Uh, so they didn't rely on the figure that I gave them. No. But uh, what was quite interesting was that I tried it with my iPad, and it said, nah, no, you can't, because you haven't got like the depth sensors mm -hmm. that are in the, in the phone. So I could do it with my phone. And I thought, oh, yes, I'd completely forgotten all about all those, that Ooh. stuff that they'd stuck in there. Yeah, all that clever stuff that makes Face ID work, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, love the LiDAR thing. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I'm I'm interested in the whole concept, but whether it will, you know, getting people who don't wear spectacles to put spectacles on um, is yeah. a hell of a having lot said, difficult than getting people to put. Having a box said on. that, I mean the, the the percentage of people who actually have to wear glasses, particularly people who use computers, are actually quite high, aren't they? Isn't it something like about seventy odd percent? Yes, and um, apparently increasing. So you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm not sure. Like you, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not. I certainly don't think we can read that into. No, I don't some think. Image, some images. 
<laughs> and but, <laughs> that they've thrown up for this event. No, and at the moment we, we had a look. Well, there's three different emoji we can find at the moment. There's a, a woman with red hair who's wearing like orange. The spectacles, by the way, are round and look a bit like snap um, spectacles. Um, there's a, a woman they, they with red. Got... I haven't got any bars on them. No, they've got no arms on them, quite interestingly. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, um, I've found four so far. There's a, a woman with red hair wearing like orange spectacles, uh, a guy with white hair and a white beard with yellow spectacles, uh, what I take to be a young uh, boy slash, you know, young man with black curly hair and um, interesting wearing a hearing aid. Um, and then the same person appears in the student challenge uh, section wearing um, a mortarboard for their, um, you know, student challenge. I'm wondering if the movie actually hear more about, uh, you know, the, what they're getting into with cars um, at WWDC. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, if they're talking about software, who mm. knows? Who knows? I mean, let's face it, WWDC is really a software event. We know that. They have occasionally, you know, on occasions they've launched hardware there. Um, but on the whole, it's a software event. It's about where the OS is going and what developers need to, mm. you know, take into account. Um, so, interestingly, this has now been announced. There's not been any other Apple things announced for this time of the year. So does that mean nothing till WWDC, yeah, do you think? In, indeed. It, just, it seems a little strange. You would think that if they were going to have an April event, they would, you know, announce it. Um, but who can say? <clears throat> Apple are a law unto themselves when it comes to such things. Indeed. Indeed. You know, um, everybody went we from saying, oh, be we, patient like everybody know, else. <laughs> it was going to be April the 14th. Oh, no, the 23rd. Oh, no, we meant, we meant, we meant April. You know, no. Um, we've got no idea, truth be told, have we? Um, when is the iPad? Uh, iPads usually announce the Pro versions. <sighs> iPads are odd. Um, the Pro range, I think last time got spring refresh. So. Well, so May time. Yeah, it's sort of late April. So I mean, we could still yeah. have one. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose so. You know, I mean, Apple, because I'm thinking if they do have hardware at WWDC, it tends to be something new or different or radically changed. Well, mm. I don't. Is a physical is a physical redesign worthy of? stage time at WWDC it's still basically a Macintosh in a, I mean if they do something really radical with it then maybe but if it's did just they, a did kind not, of um, did they not announce the uh, the bit the trash can Mac Pro at one of those shows at the very end I think yes I think no I think they did but that was because yeah. it was such a radical redesign you know they went mm-hmm. from the big giant G5 Mac yeah. Pro cheese grater box to so it's possible that you may get a new iMac redesign yeah. yeah we just can't tell I mm-hmm. I still wouldn't be super surprised for Apple to spring a small event where they release maybe new iPad Pros and maybe iMacs mm-hmm. and not much else you know one of their new short sort of 45 minutes to an hour um, ones I, I don't know. You you just can't tell with Apple. You really can't. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm looking at this um, um, emoji that you were talking about here. Uh, the girl with the glasses with her out here. Um, she's got the fantastical calendar app logo reflecting on it. And you were saying it's got the Xcode as well. But she's looking at a Mac book opened up. So you you think maybe the 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 VR will be your glasses will be compatible with a Mac or certain <laughs> things on screen? Who knows? It's, hey, it's who, hard to hard to work out what exactly they're trying to tell us. Well, I'd, yeah, I mean, glow and behold <clears throat> is a strange title. I mean, if 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 you want to read into the word behold and take something from that with the spectacles, I guess that might. Mm-hmm lead you to go down that avenue but um i mean john gruber talked about it at some length and he said i think they've just gone with that you know that shot of craig frederick opening the macbook air and kind of staring into it when it was like it comes on the second you open the 
lift the lid yeah, well, a fraction. That's what you've got there, right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know, without glasses, how are you going to make the reflections clear? So it could simply be mm. that. You know, who knows? Who and knows? This, uh, and this, folks, is why, on the whole, we don't do speculation because we're really crap at it. <laughs> yeah, indeed, we don't even because we know it's all speculation. We don't have, we don't go and make a load of predictions and say, "I'm going to swear blind that this is going to happen" because we'll just be stupid. There we are. Um, okay, let's let's uh, let's move on a bit then. Um, so we'll all wait that with bated breath, I'm sure, to see what indeed comes out and i'm pretty sure what they'll announce will be you know mac os 12 and ios 15 and um that's what it's mostly going to be about let's face it yeah it's um there we are um apple apparently have booked uh the initiation production of four nanometer successor to the m1 chip uh, that was on Apple World today. Uh, not, that's not really a big surprise, other than that they're, they're jumping down to four nanometer already, um, going down from I think it's five nanometer. Um, Dear me, go, go much smaller that we make it out of fairy dust. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, what is it? There's a science fiction story where a bloke makes the strongest material in the world um, by punching holes in it down to a molecular level so that there's almost no, there's nothing left of it because as he says no, right. the perforations in your checkbook are actually stronger than the paper and uh, you know <laughs> you can tell when it was written but the the premise was that why yes. is it you know the, the the perforated bit on your on your juice drink never tears properly and the check never tears out properly so they have this <laughs> like thing where the, the, yeah. yeah and in in event in uh, you know in a a sort of reductio absurdium. He makes this product which consists of nothing, but is the strongest product in the world because <laughs> uh, it consists of nothing at all. There we are. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a bit of a surprise, I suppose. They're jumping down to four nanometer already, but then again, you know, TSMC are seem to be the world leaders on uh, getting down the production nodes. Seems that way, doesn't it? And um, according to Apple Insider, TSMC says it plans to spend 100 billion US dollars on chip fabrication expansion over the next three years, which basically no doubt means they're building a lot of um, four and possibly even three nanometer um, fabs. Yeah, expensive things. They don't come cheap. No, they don't. Yeah, a little bit like a little bit like uh, battery gigafactories. They're expensive too. <laughs> yes, yes. And talking of big, yeah, they are big. <clears throat> so, um, talking of uh, battery factories, um, Apple is building a battery farm capable of storing 240 megawatt hours of energy, according to the Mac Observer. Um, jolly good. That, that's just furthering their green credentials, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, what did it say here? Apple shared environmental news on Wednesday, including an energy storage project. Um, Okay, Apple has a 25-year deal with the California Flats Solar Project for 130 megawatts of power uh, and is now building an energy storage farm next to the flats capable of storing 240 megawatt hours of energy. Okay, Um, it will store the excess energy created through the day and deploy it when required. Yeah, a lot lot of, uh, if you you listen to futurologists talking about um, energy, then this is the way we've got to go. If we want to, um, if we want to rely on green energy, then we have to find a way of storing it so yeah. that we can use it when it's not sunny and it's not windy. Yeah. Or, so you know, batteries are the way forward. Everything, everything is going to be about batteries, as we've said several times before. I mean, don't get me wrong; there are all sorts of other clever ideas as well. Um, there oh, was yeah. one I saw a few months ago about where they drop something. They they dig a they dig a huge shaft. And then they basically have a weight at the top of the shaft, mm-hmm. and they let the weight they let the weight fall down the shaft slowly, turning turbines as it goes. Yes, uh, and uh, and then you wind it back up when the energy's cheap. <laughs> yes, and then you do the same again. It's a giant you generate large amounts of electricity. It's a giant grandfather clock, in effect. Yeah, effectively. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Clever ideas. Yep. There's this. There's one thing that they're saying now that we might be having a problem with uh, solar panels is um, 
Uh, although you're using them to generate the electricity to store in the batteries, the actual um, solar panels are reflecting the heat back up into the atmosphere. Yeah, they're uh, going to have to be careful, aren't they, about how yeah. much we put down. Yeah, it's definitely. adding to the global warming. Hmm. Yes, so it, it yeah, it can work in the in in the. Um, it depends on how much you put down, of course, but mm -hmm. you are changing the dynamics of the planet if they're very very large. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For some of the places, um, you know, huge areas of land that's covered with this you know, glass, basically, you know, the, in the individual panels. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not sure how much more it reflects than a city, for instance. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, yeah, it definitely will have an effect. It's something mm -hmm. we'll need to monitor and understand over time. Mm. Well, the likes of that uh, pendulum you're talking about, it's a good way of storing energy quite you know, cheaply and uh, quite you know, very green energy. That because you don't well, need yeah. a lot, lot to wind right. up. Right, it's a very simple yeah. idea, yeah. really. I mean, and it, wind power and sea, 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 you know, wave power as well. It works yeah. on the same principle. Mm. Um, I can't remember where it is. Might be in Wales. There's a power a hydroelectric generator which works basically by um, the same thing. They, it lets the water run out of the reservoir at the top mm -hmm. through the, obviously, the hydroelectric generators and yep. collects at the bottom in another reservoir. And then at, at night, I believe, when, uh, you know, energy usage is low, they pump the water back up to the top of the mountain. Mm -hmm. Yes, a lot of our reservoirs work that way. Mm, yeah, so <clears throat> not a new idea. Um Rather than having to have a constant flow of water, pump the water back up to the top and then run it again next day. Um, yeah, I mean, the only advantage, of course, with the um, the pen pendulum idea is that um, you don't have to take up vast amounts of flood, vast amounts of land to actually make no. it work. Mm. No, you don't. Because no, we no. haven't got the we haven't got the mountains and things to make it work enough. No, um, whereas whereas we're get we're buying energy at the moment from Norway, I think it is, um, and uh, Norway have vast um, aquifers and storage areas they can store water in. So a lot of their power is hydroelectric. Yeah, simply because they've got a lot of mountains and things. Well, they've also they've also got a lot of land which isn't particularly inhabited, is it? Yes, yeah, you know, that as well. You know, Britain is a fairly densely populated country. You know, like Japan yeah. and various other parts of the world. Um, some countries like Norway or whatever. That's you know, I won't say it's wasteland, but that you know, the people live around the coastal fringes on the whole because the centre is forests and mountains and um, mm. not particularly productive for much else. Um, there you go. These are these are the you know, this is the lateral thinking we need that people yeah. have so to this, come uh, up with. So these batteries, stuff. these batteries say once the transition is complete, it will save over fifteen million metric tons of CO two. Oh, that's um, annually. That's that's the to do with the, to... yeah. That's to yeah. do with um, Apple's got a hundred and ten of its manufacturing partners are moving to a hundred percent renewable energy. Oh, sorry. Yes, I've read on and read past that bit. Yes, yeah. um, the trend. That's the transition they're talking about, which will save fifteen right. million metric tons of CO two e annually. Three point uh, the equivalent of three point four million cars off the road. Yep, it's good. It's good. All, All good. good. All good stuff. Um, Apple's carbon footprint has decreased by 40% and avoided over 15 million metric tonnes of emissions. I'm not quite sure based on since when, but there you go. All good stuff. All good stuff. Apple Arcade has expanded to more originals and iOS classics, apparently, adding another 30 titles to the library. Um, I'm yeah, not... I, I had to go at playing the Star Trek one. I was very underwhelmed by it. Okay. <laughs> It it, it 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 was it basically it got a sort of three or four premises and it just kept repeating them over and over again. I didn't mm. think it was particularly good. Um, perhaps I didn't play far enough into it, but no. I just thought, oh well, while I've got arcade, I'll have a look. And I thought, mm. nah, <laughs> not not very impressed. Still, it's good that they're still adding stuff to it. Yeah, um, a significant expansion, releasing uh, releasing more than thirty new games, bringing the total catalogue to a hundred over a hundred eighty titles. Um, and includes new arcade originals, including NBA uh, 2K21 Arcade, Star Trek Legends, Simon's Cat Storytime, and Oregon Trail, for those of you who wish to re-experience dying of dysentery. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, anyway, there's a whole load of uh, new stuff. Um, I did read an opinion piece elsewhere, which I didn't bother to link, um, saying that Apple could, um, you know, Apple could make a killing to some extent, or certainly increase engagement with arcade by bringing more classic games into arcade. Um, because there's a big thing in in you know nostalgia and um, retro games. True. True. Um, if they could revive, you know, some dearly beloved games of times past, maybe that would help expand their titles and um, drive more engagement. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, I must admit, I had a look when I saw this title. I had a quick look to see when my um, arcade expires because I don't want to have to pay for it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they're not convincing me. But then perhaps I'm not their target market. I'm not an arcade person either. Um, no, nor am I. Um, yeah. No, I don't. You know, when I do play games, I tend to. I've said before, I'm quite picky about the sort of games I play, and I tend to play them on the PS4. So I have played. I have played some games on um, on the iPhone that I, you know took my fancy. The um, oh, the the one with the there's the one with the weird um, Escher style geometry. Oh, yeah. What was that? I can't remember what yes. it was called. I know exactly what you mean, and I can't think what it's called. And you have to steer the little girl around the maze, but you have to think like MC Escher as you turn things, the perspective changes and they fit together in ways that they don't appear to work. <laughs> but there you go. That was, that was a good game. I can't remember what it Monument was Monument Valley. Monument Valley, that's the one. Yes. Monument Valley. And there was a sequel as well, Monument Valley Plus or Monument Valley 2 or something. I've got a couple of games on my computer, my Mac. Um, uh, it was a rally game, Colin McRae rally game, but I think it's now uh, defunct because of the upgrade to... Uh, Big Sir. Big Sir, couldn't mind the name there. <clears throat> I think it went, went when that was installed, but I, I think I've got a, one of the shoot-up games, one of the um, war games coming, which, which one it is, Call of, Call of Duty or something like that. Uh, hang on, let's have a wee quick look. Yeah, I, I do play. Um, I do play games on my um, no. on my iPad, particularly, but not. There are only certain ones that I go for, and none of them are in arcade. No, <laughs> I've got I've got Batman Arkham City, um, which I, I, I occasionally you know put my toe into it and play a couple of bits and then go back. But very confusing game to to to, to operate to work out what is all you're supposed to be doing. Um, let's see, where's the other game I had? I've got a couple of Steam games, you know, the cut through Steam freebies. Um, uh, I don't see it. Tomb Raider is the other one I've got. I, mean, I think my I think my Call of Duty one it went with Big uh, Big Sir. Mm. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, with Tomb Raider, it's got me way back. To, it set me right back to the very beginning again. Uh, <laughs> um, all my pro- progression had disappeared. Oh dear! I'm now stuck at the bit where you have to kill the tiger that comes out from the dark. There's a certain combination of keys you've got to hit in a certain way before you can get kill the thing and get past it, and I can't get past the damn thing. <laughs> oh, I hate that about games. I hate. Yeah. About, I hate. It's the thing I dislike most about games is getting to a point where I haven't got a clue what to do next, and I. I I have played games where I've just sort of wandered around the whatever it is for <laughs> for many hours and then just thought, that's it, I'm not playing it again. It's yeah. a place of the PCs. If you, if you use if you play games in PCs, you can, you, can, you can put in cheats and get past all these things. Yeah, I, I just reason, can't be bothered to do that. Box. I mean, the yeah. game needs to be playable all the way through, and yeah. if you make it so so arcane that you can't progress, then that's, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could put it to me off because you don't have these big games. You know, I would like to, I would like to have uh, the ability to, to to do Call of Duty or what's other war game that they have the first person shooters. Um, oh, there's loads of them. Well, there's loads and they're battlefields and um, yeah. Uh, I'd love, love to play these on the Mac, but um, no. Modern warfare. Um, yeah, modern warfare. Yeah. There you go. They're, they're all they're all uh, Xbox and uh, PlayStation games, really computer yeah. games. Yeah. There you go. Um. Right, we'll do one more because it kind of relates to what we were talking about before, which is ARM is introducing V9, its first new chip architecture in a decade. Um, Looks like a pretty powerful um, revamp um, of their chips. Um, This is on Engadget. 
ARM v9 includes a new confidential compute architecture, which will enable a Realms concept. ARM says all apps will have the opportunity to re leverage Realms to protect their code and private data they are processing by executing a different environment from other softwares. I assume that's a kind of sandboxing. Um, yeah, it sounds a bit like that, doesn't it? Um, it will also feature the latest version of the company's scalable vector extension technology with help from Fujitsu. It's used by the world's fastest supercomputer, and it says this new SVE2 platform will give ARM 9 chips an edge when processing 5G machine learning and virtual and augmented reality workloads. Um, ARM says V9 will enable performance increases of 30, more than 30% over the next generations of mobile and cloud CPUs due to its total compute design philosophy. Um, cool. Mm. Can't complain about faster and better. <laughs> it says V9 will power 300 billion new ARM-based chips. Wow. That's a lot of chips, isn't it? That's a lot of chips in a lot of things. Although, of course, ARM chips do everything from, you know, very low-end stuff to high-end things like Apple Silicon. But there you go. There's still a lot of chips. That's, it says uh, at the end, at the, at, that, at the rate ARM chips are being shipped at the moment, the company estimates 100% of all the world's shared data will soon be processed by ARM chips. Wow. Whether that's on an individual device or in the cloud. Pretty amazing. <laughs> that's pretty powerful. That's a pretty powerful claim, isn't it? We'll have to see, but um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thinking that that's, you know, that's looking good for Apple because no doubt they'll be taking their M chips onto V9 as soon as uh, that's been proven to be, you know. I'm a, sure they will. A good yeah. thing. So we are going to press on and... Um, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody it's set a metron someone set a metronome off. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. That's my printer, it's just switched on. <laughs> oh dear. Last time you were on, Jim, you had mm. a mystery parcel arrive. And um would you like to tell the listeners about what was in your mystery box? Uh, I I bought um, an Onyx Books, spelled B-O-O-X, Note Air, which is um, a e-ink um, tablet. And I bought it principally for reading Kindle books, uh, Insta paper stories, pocket stories, all saved onto the, the, you know, the apps. And also for work use, for uh, filling out order forms and timesheets and stuff. Um, so you can write on this as well as yeah, you you can write it on the reading device. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, but you know, it's, it's it's much much easier to write on it than on an iPad. You know, the glass screen. Um, it's more like paper than than glass. Uh, beautiful device, really well made, uh, slim, uh, aluminium and glass. Uh, style was a bit on the cheap side, but it, it worked okay. But the big problem was just trying to get um, all these forms that I needed uh, onto it. I could get I could get them to import, but they wouldn't go to where I wanted them. And that was the the, the writing note taking software. Um, and one of the one of the one of the PDFs was actually uh, it should have been landscape and it was in portrait. So trying to write all that way on it was well difficult. Um, so after an afternoon, just trying to set the thing up, I decided um, that it's going back because it was like just short of five hundred pound by the time you'd bought the the device and the the, the book cover for it. Uh, so I'm now looking at maybe either going for an iPad Pro, um, maybe get myself a skin for the glass to make it easier to write on. We'll see. Mm -hmm. But if it, yeah, well, if it, if you it don't works, know unless you try, do you? Yeah, if it worked <laughs> okay, then brilliant. But um, the device I really wanted to get was the Remarkable 2, uh, but unfortunately you can't even get Kindle books onto it. Uh, unless you rip the DRM out of it, um, so it's amazing, isn't it? That you know, I, I find this surprising that people don't try and make their devices as as um, what's the word I'm after ubiquitous, you know, as yeah. as 
as they possibly can and give them the, as much functionality as they can and to actually take away functionality that people might need yeah just seems a bit counterproductive well you, you've got the problem with you know apple and um amazon kindle and various other uh, books you know sellers um because they put drm on things it means you can't you know use them on other devices oh yeah i suppose so yeah, and it also also means that you you know if if, if the the book gets deleted for some reason, you can't take it with you to another device. So, uh, ah, it's yeah. this modern idea that you never actually yeah. buy anything. You yeah. you only buy a license to use. Yeah, it like sounds like a good and... way of manufacturing money to me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it's like it's like buying a film out of iTunes. You're not guaranteed to keep that for life because it can disappear because the yeah the yeah. film studio mate withdraw from yes, we live in a we live in strange times i mean yeah. back in the day if you needed a song you bought a record or a tape or a disc mm-hmm. or a, but yeah it's um it'll be interesting to see what happens over time with all mm-hmm. this digital will it i mean it, will it just disappear into the ether will people just suddenly not have ownership anymore yeah. will it um, well, you know when when we die for instance what happens to all the stuff all stuff that we've bought well, that's what we were talking about a few weeks ago disappear. Um, yeah yeah but the, the other thing about the device was uh, the pen or the pencil i should say is a passive device it doesn't need batteries to work um whereas unlike the apple pencil it needs power yeah. uh, that's another thing against the apple pencil uh, mm. and you could use any you know the pencil made for these devices you know you can go to rivals and they'll work whereas apple's very i think it's only it's one i think it's only one other company makes up yeah there's a logitech crayon isn't there logitech one yeah but with that with these devices the e-ink devices any any paper pencil um yeah any pen any style yes. will do yeah yeah hmm. oh interesting very interesting. So ultimately, then you returned it, Jim. Yes. Um, and oh, 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 uh, yeah. oh, thanks to Amazon. Uh, they were very quick. And the fact that we got a refund even before it arrived back at the, at the Amazon. Yeah, they seem to do that these days, don't yeah. they? Yeah, I returned something not long ago. And um, as soon as they got notification that it was on its way, I got a refund. So. Mm unfortunate uh well i guess you got your money back it didn't pan out to be what you uh what you mm. were hoping for there we are so um we'll move on then security and privacy this week um signal usage is skyrocketing after whatsapp disastrous privacy policy changes that's on fast company um not a huge surprise there uh, i have to say um especially as following the next story which is personal data of over 500 million facebook users leaked online um whoops whoops again um i believe the figure is something like 553 million facebook users over 106 countries um Yes, the phone numbers and personal data of over 553 million Facebook users have been published online for free by a user in a low-level hacking forum. Um, At least 100 countries are included in the leak, with data from 32 million users in the US, 11 million users in the UK. Um, Phone numbers, Facebook IDs, full names, locations, birth dates, bios, and in some cases, email addresses. Yeah, that's not good at all, is it? No. If you have a Facebook account, it's extremely likely the phone number you used for the account was leaked. We seem to be becoming uh, less and less secure in the last few years with everything. Um, I think it's just because bad actors have figured out that it's actually surprisingly mm-hmm. easy to get vast quantities of data by breaking into places like Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad I don't use Facebook. Yeah, same here. Um, yeah. yeah, so if you need to know all my details, just, yeah. Just have a look in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a good chance it's in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and Facebook's um, rather underwhelming reply was basically, oh, this happened in 2019 and we fixed it since then. Um, users are under, understandably underwhelmed by that response on the grounds yeah. of, yeah, how do I change my birth date? And, uh, you know, I've been using the same telephone number for 20 years, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, 
Absolutely. I can understand why people are angry about it. I'm not surprised they're angry. I'd be bloody mm. fuming. Um, if you use Facebook and you are concerned, um, I don't know if it's in... Um, if it's in have i been pwned yet but you should always check have i been pwned to see if your data has been leaked in data breaches in the past and i'm sure this will be added to the um to their database as soon as they can get uh, get their hands on the information um yeah yeah well done facebook thanks a bunch i don't use facebook so i'm all right but um not good at all um and I Drop News have a piece called "These Pieces." These apps are collecting and selling a ton of your personal information, and you might be surprised to find that um, although you you know apps sharing your data with third parties are who you might think they are, the worst offender is anybody who care to uh, take a punt. No, Instagram. Sorry. Instagram, Instagram. Yeah. yes. Apparently, Instagram so, uh, collects seventy nine percent of the personal data you give them, um, followed by Facebook at fifty seven percent, LinkedIn at fifty percent, Uber Eats at fifty percent, and then a decreasing uh, scale. Um, Twitter twenty one percent down towards the bottom. There's, there's a photographer I follow on YouTube. Um, and he's been producing his own magazine. Um, and you can, if you want to, uh, get your pictures into the the, uh, the magazine. But the catch is, you either have to use Facebook and the Facebook group or Instagram. And I haven't told about it for a while. I originally had an Instagram account long before, you know, before uh, Facebook bought them over. Uh, but the minute Facebook bought them, I, I deleted my account. Um, and I pumped and hoed about going back to it simply so I could get my pictures, you know, possibly in the magazine. But I've put it off and put it off. Now I'm, I'm glad I hadn't uh, done it at all. Um, yes, your, your, your data is not safe for them. Um, I was surprised by that, actually. I was surprised to find that... Um, Instagram. Instagram. According to this, you know, this chart and the way they've calculated it, Instagram mm. is the worst offender. Well, the problem was there was, there was, there was uh, what was it, some, they changed the rules. And it was a few years ago, they changed the rules where um, they could use your photographs for any use they wanted to. Mm. And that, that, was a, that caused a big stramash, but... Uh, I don't know who it is now. According to this chart, uh, Instagram collects data on what's this small purchases, location, contact info, contacts, user content, search history, browsing history, identifiers, usage info, diagnostics, financial information, and shares seventy nine percent of that, which is worse than Facebook, which collects information on your purchases, location, contact info, contacts, user content, diagnostics and financial info and some other data. But um and only apparently, you know, shares fifty seven percent of what it collects. But there we go. That's uh pretty outrageous and pretty pretty surprising to me. Not that I use either of those services, but um you can say they're up in arms with Apple then. Uh, they'll lose all that information. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um what else? Uh worth of chirps for this week. We have two from Dougie in the Slack room. Um there's a hidden app on your iPhone which won't show up on your hip home screen or in your app library um this was on ios gadget hacks um there is a code scanner on your iphone most of the uh most of its features are actually built into the camera app which is why it's kind of hidden but if you search um on the you know on the search screen for code you will turn up the code scanner uh, which interestingly doesn't uh doesn't save anything and nor does it um it has its own little uh, built-in browser if the thing is a is a link. Apparently, there you go. A bit of trivia yeah. for you. Found by Gadget Hat. Um, as I say, the, the, you you can get scanning, um, you know, code scanning just by opening the uh, camera app. But if you search in here, if I search in here under code, yes, code scanner comes up yeah, as a li- little app in and of its uh, in and of I've itself. I've had it on my phone for quite some time. Mm. I think it's one of these ones you've got to dig, dig into the menu to find. What's that? The code scanner. 
No, you actually have to. Fr- the... You can't find it anywhere except putting it in search. Oh, I got it. Long time ago. No, no. This is the built-in one in Apple called Code. Yeah, Scan. the built-in one. I've had them before for ages. Yeah, yeah. It's not. This isn't like it's new. It's simply uh, this is mm. a, one of these things. There's a there's an app there that most people don't know is there because you can't find it unless you search for it. Um, mm. And the other one, also related to scanning, is a thing called Scan Thing, which is on the App Store. Um, which is free with in-app purchases and uh, apparently is a scanner that allows you to scan anything. Objects, people, animals, plants, books, documents, text, art, uh, the quickest and easiest way to capture anything around you. Books and documents with the original images intact and the text embedded, save as a single or multi-page PDF with text fully searchable. Um, I don't know what... uh, no data is collected by this app, apparently. Um, but they no longer tell you, do they? What the they no longer tell you what the in-app purchases are. They used to they used to tell you what in-app purchases it had. I think. I'm just trying to see. I've actually got the app on the phone. So anyway, Let's that's see. the. Uh, no, don't see anything to say what the actual costs are. What hang not on. on? Hang on. Here we go. Uh, Four ninety nine. Unlimited scan of objects, people, and animals. Unlimited document scans. Unlimited text scans. Unlimited photo library scans. Unlimited file scans. Uh, no subscription. No accounts. No ads. Four ninety nine. That's the cost. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so they must be limited with the free to so many scans. Yep. A month or something. Like that. I don't know, but there you go. Mm. Worth yeah, worth a look at. The other option is um, a similar one called uh, LifeScan. That's another app that does the same kind of thing. That's also, I guess, five ninety nine for the up, for the upgrade. That's a one off fee. Mm. Mm. There we are. So that was uh, that was suggested by Dougie and mm. uh, Donnie has uh, also sent us one, which is Mimeo Photos, which is um, a photo print service um, which allows you to. Uh, you know, design and purchase things like calendars and photo books and such like uh, the service, which of course Apple used to do and stopped doing. Donnie recommends these. Um, and what did he say in the Slack? Mimeo Photos mobile app helps turn your most hilarious, joyous, and meaningful moments into premium quality photo products. Um, I've been using Mimeo Photos in the Photos app on my Mac for making books and calendars since Apple stopped providing it. Now I can do it directly on the iPad or phone with their new app. The print quality is fantastic from them and the great prices and regular coupons for discounts. Oh, that's good. Um, It is account-based, so you can add projects from your phone and Mac to the iPad and in reverse. According to uh, according to Donnie, so if cool. you know if you like uh, the sort of Apple style photo books or calendars or cards, the other things that um, Apple used to provide, uh, Mimeo is a service which provides such goods and is recommended by Donnie. There we are. Oh, I said I found something else really useful this week as well. I was quite excited about. <laughs> so we've been using this software called Proclaim, mm. which is worship uh, presentation software. Oh, no. Um, and uh, I found out that uh, so up till now what uh, myself and uh, my minister have been doing is when we've got a video of someone singing we'll then go in to Da Vinci or into I think he's been using iMovie and you just add the, the text in for the for the words in the relevant places which is a bit time consuming and uh, I found out that actually Proclaim has a a feature where you can build a secondary output to NDI. And I, I think I've mentioned NDI before, this network device interface um, protocol. And you can basically create an output from Proclaim. So you, you build your, your um, lower thirds in Proclaim with a, with a transparent background. And then literally you can bring it into Ecamm as a camera. So effectively, you can overlay those lower thirds onto the video. Um, so you can either you can either do that live, which would be very useful, or if you if you're doing it with a video, you can just drop the video on it and then overlay the um, the words in real time, stepping through them using Proclaim. Mm. And we've got all the words of our hymns in Proclaim, so <laughs> it'll save us a lot of time. That's good. 
Yeah, yeah, I was really pleased with that. Uh, and pretty much just to wrap it up, uh, just a snippet. Apparently, William Shatner is having his personality copied into an AI, according to comicbook.com. Um, this is one of these uh, things where an AI is, you know, will allow you to react, uh, you know, interact with uh, a virtual William Shatner long after he has passed on. He's a bit spooky, 90 now, would you believe? Yes, he is 90 years old. 90. Uh, Shatner will become the per- first person to use a new program called Story File Life to create an AI-powered interactive conversational video so family and friends can interact with him for years to come. Um, Shatner's Story File uh, profile, which uses AI and the company's proprietary technology, Converser, will be made available for the public to interact with on internet-connected devices in May. Says William Shatner is going where no one has gone before, said Storyfile. Oh, yeah, of course, of course they did. <laughs> they had to go there. They had to go there. They split infinitives and all. Um, yes. Generations in the future will be able to have a conversation with him, not an avatar, not a deep fake, the real William Shatner answering their questions about his life and work. Lovely. Not sure how I feel about that, really, but there you are. So. Yeah, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit weird. Yes. It's, um, <laughs> maybe it's just because it's new. I mean, maybe everyone will be doing this in the future. Yeah, not, I'm not sure. I've seen too many things like Black Mirror where it all goes horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think it's just... Um, I don't know. Is it is it nice or is it is it a bit creepy? Is it a bit you know? I'm so important that I need to live on well after my time on Earth is done. I'm not sure about that. There you are. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a different ways of viewing it, isn't there? Or maybe yeah. some people would find it nice and comforting. Maybe, you know? maybe. You know, I'm sure there are probably an equal number of people that find it comforting and uh, spooky. <laughs> yes. And they don't have anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a strange thing. But there you go. Um, we've been reading about these sort of things for years, and William Shatner is going to do it. No doubt this will be, a, you know, if it works out, I have no doubt that uh, the company behind it will be selling you the uh, ability to uh, have yourself recorded into an AI, probably at some extortionate fee. There we go. Well, if they could get an AI that actually responded like a human person, that would be good. But I, I've yet to hear one. Yeah, I've yet to come across one that doesn't that doesn't just sort of get completely lost very quickly. That's my experience of AI. Anyway, perhaps I've not seen any modern AI. But no. every time I've tried any kind of online AI, it's very very obvious after a few seconds that you're talking to an AI. Yeah. Because you have to, unless you're, sk- unless you're sticking to a fairly solid script, its responses aren't very human. So. No, they become fairly confused fairly quickly. Yes, well, completely illegible. Uh, not illegible, that's the wrong word. Uh, incoherent. After a very short time. <laughs> yeah. Right then, chaps. I think that will do us for today. So, um... Nick, would you like to tell people where they can find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter very occasionally. I'm Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. Uh, you can find me occasionally on uh, Bart Show, and you, uh, this month, actually, uh, as I'm, I think Simon is as well. Yes, we'll be recording um, that tomorrow, yeah, and not yeah, in the middle so of the we'll, night. <laughs> yeah, yes, not in the middle of the night this time. Uh, and uh, I, I say uh, my stuff's in the show notes as well, the the church I belong to as well puts out uh, fairly regular worship stuff if you're interested in that kind of thing. Very good. Uh, Jim? Uh, in the Slack room on Flickr as the SRPS Paint Show. Um, I'm on Vimeo, but uh, you'll find the, the link in the show notes for that. And if anyone's interested in joining the uh, Essential Apple Slack group, uh, just go to the, the uh, site and uh, You'll find a way of let me know you want in, and I'll let you in. Jolly good. Uh, that's the Essential Apple Flickr group, please. The Essential, essential Apple Flickr group, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, of course, can be found in the Slack room, and I'm on the Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. The show tweets as at Essential Apple. The website is essentialapple.com. And uh, other than saying thank you for listening, thank you to everybody who supports us, and uh, have a nice week. And we'll be back next time. Goodbye. Bye. See you. We got a mask. 
You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say, if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar, where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even, if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchotts, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie. again another time. Until then, goodbye. Because they come in different sizes, don't they, those? They do, yeah. There's a six-button one, and then this one, uh, the 15-button one, which is... 140 quid but the uh the yeah the 32 button one is 250 quid which is a, a lot more still yes so um so I'm i decided sure you to pr- stick pr- with the 15 one i can say i'm pretty sure you don't actually need 32 buttons well i suppose it depends on yeah it depends on what you're using it for well yeah obviously. I, mean, I mean some people some people use it for. Uh, I mean, it's it's sold as a streaming device, but in all honesty, it's a macro pad. Yeah, of course it is. So uh, you can use it for all sorts of things. So I I definitely intend to use it when I'm using um, DaVinci Resolve to to put to do stuff, have several steps, you know, and and basically just have one button that does several steps. Yeah, yeah. Just oh, save sure. time. You you know. I mean, I totally get that. I totally get the principle. It's like a, just a, um, you know, it's like having a number pad on an extended keyboard. You don't need one. Yes. You don't no, no, that's one. right. But if you've got an extended keypad, you can use that, for example, to to map, um, you know, macros to because... yeah. I was watching one uh, one guy talking about it, and he said that uh, one of the things he found useful was because computer keyboards originally had two lines of function keys, um, that they're still there. You can still map them, even though there's no physical buttons. All right. And then you can map, and then you can map the Elgato keys to the function buttons. So, say for instance, you've got software where you can configure. Um, keyboard shortcuts to do certain things you can actually map them to what would it be f13 to f24 um and you're never ever going to they're never ever going to clash with anything else because (laughs) because they're not on the keyboard anymore not on the keyboard anymore interesting 
Yeah, and so and therefore you can quite safely map the uh, stream deck keys to those function keys without any danger of, you know, suddenly not being able to copy anything or <laughs> or whatever yeah. else it clashes with. Good move. Good move. There we go.